You're listening to a C3 Victory podcast. To find out more, visit us online at c3victory.org.au. We have had some really great stuff. And Pastor Keith was here last week at the, at the combined service. And who was here? Who was here with a packed out service? And it was jammed. We had 155 people in this building. That's pretty fun. That's pretty good. I like that. I could get used to that. Let's do that. Let's do that. Good, good. Is it, are we all in agreement? We're going to do that? Okay, good, good. Awesome, awesome. That's where we're going. Um, but the, the word that Pastor Keith brought, I've, 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 heard, I've read his notes. I haven't heard the MP3, the podcast. Uh, but if you ever miss our Sunday, you can always jump on the website or on any, anywhere you get your podcasts and you just search for C3 Victory. And uh, although I don't think we're on Spotify yet. So Chris Windus, if you're listening to this message, please add us to Spotify. Good. Um, so yeah, it's good. But the, the word he brought was awesome. And, and this is going to, this word today from Nehemiah. So if you've got your Bibles there, open up to Nehemiah. Uh, the easiest way to find Nehemiah is to go to Psalms, which is right in the middle of your Bible, and then go back, go towards Genesis, go towards the front a little bit and you'll find, who, who was the guy who decided how the Bible would fit together? Really? I've been reading through the Bible chronologically and I've just got to the New Testament and I'm like, hang on a minute, it ends with Nehemiah. Nehemiah is the last chronological book before you get to the New Testament. I'm like, but it's way back before Psalms because of course, anyway, anyway, I don't know, it's good. Uh, so we're in a series right now called The Father's House, a three month series and this month we're looking at the, uh, the word build. What does it mean to build the kingdom, to build the Father's house. What does it mean to be a builder? And uh, I want to look at one element here. And we're looking at Nehemiah through the whole month of March. And um, Nehemiah is just a pretty amazing guy. You know, you read it, uh, you, you read the first few chapters and you're like, oh, okay, that's pretty cool. But when you think about what he had to give up and sacrifice to make it happen, uh, you go, okay, that's, that's actually quite significant. So here's a bit of backstory for you, in case you haven't read Nehemiah in like forever. Uh, he is a cupbearer to the king, okay? To the king of Persia, the king of Persia, King Artaxerxes. And he's the cupbearer, he's a Jew, but he's, he's an Israelite or a Jew. And he's a cupbearer to the king of Persia because the Babylonians, not the Persians, the Babylonians came in and ransacked and destroyed Jerusalem and took all the remnant of Israel, the people who weren't killed or who didn't starve to death or who didn't, weren't put to death by the sword, right? Or that the remnant got taken back to Babylon, okay? In exile, they went into exile the remnant of the Israelites. The Persians then came and, you know, took over the Babylonians. And so you've got this guy called Nehemiah, who's a cupbearer, right? He's the guy who drinks, has a taste of the wine just before the king has it, so the king doesn't die. What a great job. <laughs> Poison tester. Oh, good. Here we go again. King's having some more wine. All right, so that, that's the deal. So the Persians have overthrown the Babylonians and, and some of the people have already been allowed to return to Jerusalem under the leadership of a guy called Zerubbabel. Yep, try and say that 10 times fast, all right? 
and, and they've gone back to build the temple and their homes. So they, they've gone back to return to Jerusalem, a, a, a group of people. Now Ezra, Ezra is the book right before Nehemiah. Ezra is the priest around about the same time. Nehemiah becomes the governor. All right, now Ezra's returned to Jerusalem and he's brought revival to the people there. And, but they can't get traction in the city because there's no walls. The walls have been broken down. So any group or horde of barbarians or group of robbers or tribe or town can come into Jerusalem and do whatever they like because the gates have been burned down and the walls have been demolished. So Nehemiah gets word from his brother who's been to Jerusalem. This is chapter one, giving you a a recap. Nehemiah gets a word from his brother and it says, he says, the people are in great trouble and disgrace, and the gates of the city have been burned down with fire. And Nehemiah weeps for days. He is so impacted in his heart that his people are in great trouble and disgrace. That's chapter one, verse three. So we're gonna read from Nehemiah chapter two, gonna read only the first six verses, and then we'll paraphrase the rest to save a bit of time, because it's a solid chunk of, Scripture. Here we go. So I'm in Nehemiah chapter 2, verse 1. In the month of Nisan, in the 20th year of King Artaxerxes, when wine was brought for him, I took the wine and gave it to the king. I had not been sad in his presence before. So the king asked me, why does your face look so sad when you are not ill? This can be nothing but sadness of heart. I was very much afraid But I said to the king, may the king live forever. Why should my face not look sad when the city where my ancestors are buried lies in ruins and its gates have been destroyed by fire? The king said to me, what is it you want? Then I prayed to the God of heaven and I answered the king. How good is that? How many times, you know, uh, are you in a situation where you quickly send up a little prayer because you're like, I don't know what to do right now. God, just help me out right now. So uh, anyone else do that? Anyone else do that? It's like your boss brings you in for a meeting and you're like, (laughs) okay. And your boss asks you a question and you go, help me, Jesus. Yes, great. Yeah, I do that all the time. All right. Uh, It says, uh, where where am I? I'm in verse four. And the king said to me, what is it? Why I pray to the God of heaven, ask the king. If it pleases the king and if your servant has found favour in his sight, let him send me to the city in, in Judah where my ancestors are buried so that I can rebuild it. Wow. Then the king with the queen, because the king always needs the queen's okay. <laughs> Men, y'all need your wife's okay on stuff. Don't just be doing your own. Anyway, uh, it says, ask me how long will your journey take and when will you get back? It pleased the king to send me, so I set a time. Okay, that's good. So Nehemiah is making a big life change right here. Major trajectory shift right now in Nehemiah's life. Cut bearer to the king, probably a pretty well-paid position. He gets to hang out with all the royalty. You know, I can't imagine what life is like in the, in the smoko room, you know. You're like, it's pretty, it's pretty sweet, right? He's got his life pretty sorted. 
He's got, he's got some investments in the bank, right? He's like, I'm doing well. You know, my, my, my family is looked after. My future is pretty good. I've just got a bit of poison to worry about. None of you guys do that, all right? Okay. He's, he's, he's doing pretty well. But he didn't just see himself as a cupbearer. He knew he had to give more. He knew he had to offer something more. More to offer the world, more to contribute. There's, there's more to be done, right? M- more. And he can play a role of significance, not just a, I'm not just a cupbearer. I'm not just an admin. I'm not just this. I'm, I'm a, I, I can play a role of significance here in this world. That's the same with you and I. That's the same with you and I. You know? Too often we just get our heads into our own little game, into our own little thing, and we just kind of soldier on, people. Just keep soldiering on. Pay the mortgage, pay the bill, get a payslip. Pay the mortgage, pay the bills, get a payslip. Yep, yep. Hello. Yep, good. No, I'm just soldiering on here. Pay the mortgage, pay the bills, get a payslip. Life's a bit more than that, right? I, 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 I kind of want us to get a bit stirred up today. There is so much brokenness in the world. There is so much hurt happening around us, right? Just the people that are in your world right now, there's, there's, there's so, you, 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 you just ask a few questions and, and create the space so they can open up and you will find that they will just offload onto you. Oh my goodness. It is amazing that the kind of pain that the average person in our society is dealing with on a normal, regular basis. You know, sometimes I think I've got it bad. I know I don't, I know I don't, right? I'm fully aware sometimes, most of the time, how good I have it, right? But sometimes I get locked into my own little world and I'm like, oh, this doesn't, that's not going very well, is it? Oh, and you haven't done, okay, great. And then I talk to someone who's actually dealing with real stuff and I'm like, I am super blessed. This is amazing. Oh my gosh. We, 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 we have to get active in the world. We have to activate Whatever gift it is that's been placed within you, whatever dream that God has put in your heart, you have to activate that thing. The, the, the world does not need more Christians waiting for Jesus to come back. The world needs Christians who will rise up in their gifting, get a bit of grunt about us, who will love relentlessly who will not just sit down and and take beatings from the world, right? But who will rise up because we already have the victory and who will actually affect the love and the strength and the power of God on the earth. With sensitivity, of course, but with this deep sense that we have already won. Edmund Burke said, the only thing necessary for the triumph of evil is for good men to do nothing. I I, I want us to get stirred up. Our lives, hear me, right? Your life should not be so full that you only just have enough time for you. 
Margin is sacred. But it's not margin so you can just relax more. You need to have margin so you can love more. So you can minister more. So you can welcome more. So you can love people. You know, if, you're, if you've only just got enough time that you are just getting by, start saying no to something. I hate saying that. Nothing that to do with your church commitments, of course. <laughs> because, because otherwise we are just, we're just time poor all the time and we don't have space to love anyone else. I don't want to be like that. How can you and I, how can you and I activate in this area? How can you and I be like Nehemiah and build, build a city? How? Um, I got two points today. Number one, you and I are restorers. Nehemiah saw a higher calling on his life to bring restoration to the city of God. I reckon Jesus changes the game. Jesus changes the game in so many areas, right? But Jesus moves us from the core motivation, the core game being uh, comfort, to the core game being fruit. Jesus shifts the perspective. He moves, he moves the pursuit from being, I just wanna be more comfortable in my life to I wanna be more fruitful in my life, all right? So the world is continually pulling us into its zone of the pursuit of the comfort, right? Pursuit of comfort. Uh, I need to get more things so I can be more successful, so I can, I can feel better about myself. I can be more comfortable or, you know, or I want to Marie Kondo my house now and I want to have less things. I'm having space now. Oh, I've got room to move, right? You know, oh, this is awesome. Look at all my space. Look at my cupboards. Ooh, this is awesome. But you know what? That's still the pursuit of comfort. It's just a different part of it. Oh, I want more stuff so I feel more comfortable. Now I need less stuff so I feel more comfortable. The point is, is still the same. People are still pursuing comfort and peace. I need this inner peace, so I need less around me. Less to have peace. Jesus is the Prince of Peace, baby. Right? Far out. The pursuit is still like, oh, I've got to discover my meaning, my meaning in life. Like it's, 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 the world says that what you do, what you do defines you, what you do defines you, but only Christ is going to define us and enable you to know your true identity, your true calling, your true purpose on planet earth. All right. And it, we, we need to move from the pursuit of comfort to the pursuit of fruit. We, we, we get so busy building our own walls. Just so busy building my own space. I'm busy building my own house, busy building my own thing, that we, we, we forget that we're called to build the walls of the city. We're called to build the walls of, of the church. We're called to build and advance the kingdom. That's what we're here for. 
We get so focused on our own survival. I just, I just got to get through. But Pastor D, I just got to get through. I just got to get through this week and this month and this year. I just got to get through until my kids go to school. Help me, Jesus. We get focused on either our, our own survival, you know, and I've just got to have enough, or we get focused on our own investment and I have to have enough in case there's a really, 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 really rainy day. So my focus is either just getting by or it's just having enough. And both of them are responses of fear. Both are responses of fear, right? But Jesus said, seek first the kingdom and His righteousness and all these other things that we added to you. Don't worry if you're gonna have enough and don't worry if you're gonna have enough for a rainy day. Just focus on the kingdom, trust Jesus and everything else will work itself out. All right? The game changes to the pursuit of fruit. Jesus said in John 15 verse 16, He says, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit. Fruit that will last. Not just any old fruit. Not just getting someone, your next door neighbour to pray a sinner's prayer once. Fruit that lasts. Fruit that goes the distance. So how do we do this? It comes down to what we can see. I want to talk about two things that we can see because we don't want to be blind to the broken. We don't want to be blind to the broken, the brokenhearted. Jesus said uh, when He was quoting Isaiah 61, it says we're here to bind up the brokenhearted. Nehemiah had a chat with his brother in chapter, in chapter one. He was broken. He was broken. The plight of the broken needs to break us. Chapter 2, Nehemiah gets permission from the king to go down to Jerusalem and to inspect the walls. And from, uh, from chapter 2, verse 13, we see him, you know, actually walking through the ruins of the city. We see him inspecting all the different types of the walls, you know, and it says, then I walked over here and then this wall was broken and down. And then I walked over here and I couldn't get through because all this stuff had happened. So I had to go all the way around to see this, this particular wall. He, he, he's checking out the brokenness. He's, he, he's inspecting the brokenness. I, I wonder how moved we get by people around us, by their brokenness. Do, do you, are you like one that tries to ignore it? I'm always challenged by a homeless person. What am I going to do right now? Little sign, there's a guy in Cardiff a few days ago. And I'm like, what, what am I, I going to do right now? So um, I did something and then I went to my work colleagues the next day and they said, you shouldn't have done that. And I went, oh, okay, great. Good to know. Good to know. Um, right. So when you see a homeless person, you are uh, to help them to connect with a service that will help give them a home, not just give them some money. Great. I thought I was doing a pretty good thing. 
Maybe I should have bought him some apples. I'm not sure. I don't know. But in, 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 my, in my job, we, we get to see the broken up close and personal. We get to see, you know, I work for Baptist Care Community Centre in Windale, and we've, we've got like 70 people every day who come through, maybe 150 people who come you know, into the shop and 70 people a day, different people who come through the community center. And we get to see some really broken, busted up people. Je- Jesus was moved with compassion for people. It says in Matthew 9 verse 36, it says, when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. So the, like, like the question is not, do we need to keep doing things? The question is, how do I not be anesthetized to the broken? How do I not become numb to the realities of the brokenness that's around us? I don't want to become numb and I don't want to become all consumed by it. I need to have compassion and I need to be a person of action when it comes to it, right? I need to have action. Jesus said in the next verse, in verse 37, um, I'm just really flicking to Matthew 9, 9, 36 and 37. It says, Then He said to His disciples, The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Did you hear it? Or are you looking at the cute kid walking past? Right? The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Jesus isn't just saying we've got to have compassion. He's saying, get out there. Go and do something. Make a meal for your neighbour who is sick. Get out there. Be creative. How are you going to do something? We don't want to get blind or numb to the brokenness, but we've got to shift into, into a place of action. But, but before we do, we've got to get a shift as to how we see ourselves, yeah. right? How do you see yourself day to day? When you're sitting at, at work or you're sitting with the children, how do you see yourself? Yeah. When you're at school or at university, how do you see yourself? What, what, do you, what, do you, what do you look at? What do you look like to yourself? Are you, you know, really trying to help those shareholders? You're not really trying to look after those shareholders. Yep, absolutely. Are you really trying to fulfil the vision of the organisation? Is that what you're there for? Yes. You know, are you, are you just trying to put in a hard day's work so you keep getting money? Sometimes that's what it is, isn't it? It's like, yep, I'm still here. I'm just going to do all my things because that's all I've got today. You're just going to, Pass your exam so you get that bit of paper. I think, I think Nehemiah had an upgrade as to how he saw himself. I think he had an upgrade. I think he was like, oh wow, I could do something significant right here. I think he started to see himself as like a restorer. Actually, um, this, is, this is significant. Whoa, hang on a minute. I have a real opportunity right now. Whoa, what if we saw ourselves as restorers? What if you saw yourself sitting at your desk, making your phone calls as, as God's person on the ground to bring restoration to others? What if you saw yourself as a restorer of hope, a restorer of life, 
a restorer of someone's joy. What if you saw yourself as a restorer of people? That's what I'm there for. I'm not just there to pull a paycheck and try and do a good job for the boss so I don't get the sack. I'm actually there as God's person on the ground to restore people's lives wherever I am, whatever I'm doing. We need an upgrade in how we see ourselves. Okay, we're not just satisfied with going with the flow of everyone else in the world. You're not even from here. You don't even live here. This is not your home. You're a citizen of heaven. Our identity has changed. We're going to live like our identity has changed. Not like we just, we walk out of church and we put our world mask back on. I'm a living, breathing restorer of hope. Wherever I go, to my next door neighbours, to my barista, we, we, we are in, yeah, to my barista, he gets a lot of love, that guy. Right? We are, like the Bible says that we are co-workers with Christ. Right? We are, we are in Christ, we are with Him, we are led by the Spirit. Like, we're not like the world. You know, that's why, that's why it only takes so long before you can have so much entertainment. You know what I mean? Like, no wonder that we just get bored. You, get, you find yourself getting bored with Netflix. When I'm at home sick, I'm like, I just do Netflix and some pills. <laughs> you know, I'm not a good sick person. I'm sorry, babe. I'm not. I'm like, I'm so sick. Oh, help me out, you know. But after, after half a day of Netflix and Xbox, I'm like, I'm bored. I was, because I was built for more than this. I was created for more than just to be entertained. Right? There's only so much Netflix and Xbox and books and magazines and, oh gosh, I don't know what else I'll throw in there, gardening. There's only so much you can do before there's an ache that hits you on the inside, which goes, I was built for more than this. I was built to make a difference on planet Earth. Right? You were created for something bigger. To partner with God and restore what was lost. Jesus said, I I have come to seek and save that which was lost. And when we come to Christ, we are wrapped up in that mission. That becomes your mission. So it doesn't matter if you're stuck in meetings all day or if you're homesick, you've got a greater calling on your life. Jesus was a restorer. He restored the identity of the woman with the issue of blood. He restored blind Bartimaeus' sight. He restored Peter after he stumbled three times. He restored people's body and soul and spirit. Jesus restores our identity and our hope and our purpose, everything, all of the above. And in the middle of us, this is what I find crazy. In the middle of me, in my process of restoration, I'm helping to restore someone else. I find that mind-blowing. 
I thought that God would have made us a bit more perfect than I am before He started using us for His glory. God's like, no, 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 you're good. Let's go, let's go, let's go. No, 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 no. You don't have to fulfil the course. You don't have to tick all the boxes yet. Just, just start, just go. Just love someone, you know. Just, just, just love someone, all right? Just go, you know. It doesn't matter if you swore a few times while you were loving them. Okay, just go, just go. One of the greatest things is when I, is when I meet a, a new Christian who hasn't cleaned up their mouth yet. It is wonderful. It is fantastic. I try and, you know, help them. Uh, but, but I'm like, this is great because you're telling people about Jesus and you just drop the F-bomb a few times, but it's so good somehow. I don't recommend going backwards in that area, however. Right? God wants to use you right now. Not when you've got the piece of paper, not when you get paid full time on staff. Now. Not even when you've got that issue sorted out. Right now. Like tomorrow, like this afternoon. There's going to be a person in front of you and you get a chance to love them or not. You don't have to wait. Oh, I haven't done victory DNA yet. (laughs) Who cares? Yes, tune up to the course, of course. Love the person in front of you. You are a living, breathing restorer of people's lives. And you don't have to wait until you've ticked a box to do it. I am a restorer with God, led by the Spirit in Christ with Him. Point number two (laughs) is that we engage in the work of restoring lives. It's work. It's not always fun. It's work. Nehemiah did a phenomenal thing. He got released from his role. He got permission. He got protection. He got provision, right, for the task at hand. He saw what needed to be done and he went to work. Love it. He overcome all this opposition. We'll talk about that next week. He, he, he engaged in the work. Engaged in the work. It's not enough just to have compassion. It's not enough just to have your heartstrings pulled. I'm telling you, you've got a gift. You've got a resource. You've got a flow. You've got the Holy Spirit. It is not enough just to feel something inside. You've got to engage in the work of restoration. So a few stats about the wall, okay? Because everyone's thinking, well, how long was the wall? How big was the wall? How fat was the wall? How long did it take for them to actually fix this wall? All right, here we go. The wall was four kilometres long. It was 12 metres high. It was two and a half metres thick. That's not a small wall when you think about it. They didn't have, you know, like the machinery that Todd, you see on your sites every day. There was no machinery. They were using hands. These, this, this is my machinery, right? Hands. And that's it. I guess they had some kind of shovel or something. 
It took them 52 days to rebuild it. That's 77 metres per day of construction. That's the width of a soccer field every day. 40 different crews were working in different areas to get it done, and it took them 52 days to rebuild the wall. That's not bad. These guys went to work. Work isn't always fun. Is it, Ethan? It's not always fun to go to work. <laughs> it doesn't happen very often in my house, but occasionally on a Monday morning, we might say to each other, I don't feel like going to work today. But you still do, right? You still gotta turn up, unless you're retired, thanks Greg. <laughs> But just because, just because the work of rebuilding people's lives isn't always fun, it doesn't mean it's not always powerful. And so we, we, we've got to separate the fruitful from the peripheral. Because there's a lot of stuff that we can do in this world a lot of things we can put our hands to. There's a lot of stuff that we can start or get involved in that's not necessarily gonna bring lasting fruit. So I've got to ask myself, what is truly worthwhile? What is truly powerful? What is truly fruitful? What is fruit? And, and how can I bear more of it? And how can I bear the kind of fruit that's gonna last the distance? Right? This is why I love the church so much. We've been doing this for 17 years now. And I've had some offers of work and, and, and some people going, why don't you do something else with your life? Good, good people, well-meaning people. But every single time, I just keep coming back to the church because there is no other point at which I can disciple a person or sow seed that's gonna bear the kind of fruit that this will. The church is, is awesome. Like three weeks ago, we started something new. Beck and a team, so it's like Penny and Melody at the back there, and a few others from Central Campus, started by invite a life skills course for well, I guess it's predominantly refugees at the moment, but for people at Jesmond Public School. Awesome, by invitation. Week one, you had three ladies turn up, which is amazing. Week two, it doubled and you had six ladies turn up. Amazing. From all like different nations all around the world, just wanting to know how to do life in Australia better. You know, and last Friday it doubled again and you had 12 ladies turn up. Like, we don't know where this is going to end up, but we wanted to start something. And the school was like, how many times a week can you run this course? And we were like, hang on, hang on, let's just get our ducks in a row first and we'll be right. But the word's starting to get out and the word's getting out that this is really valuable. 
And it's amazing. Well, I asked Pastor Karen, what do we, what do we already do as a church? Like, because we're already involved in so many things. We already provide fruit every week for four schools for their crunch and sip program. Every single week we provide fruit. We have the, the longest serving cap centre in Australia, in fact, in the Southern Hemisphere. And last year, 23 people became debt free through our cap centre. That is massive, right? We, we have food packs for rough sleepers in Charlestown. We have, we have a white goods service that we have for refugee families. We, we, we run art therapy courses, right? We take referrals from our Osh centres and we supply hampers and packs and help families that are doing it tough. That's just the tip of the iceberg of the things that we're already doing. We are doing the work of the Kingdom in our city. We're doing mission, we're doing care. This is why I love the church because she is alive and she is activated in our city and beyond, right? She is purposeful and she is filled with love. She is joyful and she's powerful and she's just getting started. Like so often we're just, we're waiting for someone to choose us. We're waiting for someone to go, you know what, I I think you'd be good at that. Don't, don't wait. Just start. Thanks for joining us for the C3 Victory Podcast. We would love to see you at one of our services. To find out more, visit us online at c3victory.org.au or check us out on Facebook or Instagram.